Good morning. God bless you. How are you guys? I love the fourth song. I love upbeat songs. Praise and worship is great too, but I love to get the blood going. It's awesome. Um, I like to read first from John eight forty four to forty seven. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. And you want to carry, I'm sorry, he was a murderer out of your father. I'm sorry, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. I've got to get my glasses fixed, I guess, right? John 14, John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Amen? How did I get to this message here? Years ago, I I did a little bit of study of the power of Satan. What kind of power that Satan had. And I really couldn't find anything other than... He is full of lies and full of deceit, and he deceives everybody beyond our imagination. And um, I went on this little rabbit trail again. I let my mind go that, Lord, show me the power. Because I thought in my mind, if I knew Satan's power, that I could thwart it, right? That if I knew all of his powers, that I could understand him better. So a little story is that I... I was researching this, and I was going out of town uh, several weeks ago, and I had to get to town or to appointment at nine o'clock in the morning. I put on some uh, uh, sermons that I had, and I said, "God, I need your help here. I'm running late. I need to get to my appointment." And God got me there at exactly at nine o'clock, even though I was ten, fifteen minutes running behind. I had to come back to Toledo, to Pemberville, to meet with Kevin Tucker so that we can do an install. And I ended up talking way too much to the customer. I was another 10, 15 minutes behind. Lord, I need your help on the road again. I need some uh, assistance here. And um, he provided again. I get to my appointments two minutes early. Um, Had a great time with God. I'm trying to tell this story short, so I I apologize. And so I get done with uh, the job that Kevin and I were doing, and I'm on this God high, and I'm really just in all of God and what he is teaching me and what he's showing me about the truth of he, who he is and the lies that Satan has. And I come home that night and I start talking to my wife and I'm excited about what, I, what just happened. I'm still on a high with God because of the sermons and the, the, the truth that I just learned. And I told my wife of what was going on and I, you know, I'm trying to uh, understand the power that Satan has. My wife opens up the book to Job and she goes, well, let's read. And she starts reading the introduction to Job and, um, at one point, she stops and it talks about where God uh, let Satan have his way with it. And I said, yeah, yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. Like, like, like Satan has no power unless God has it. And she kind of says, well, if you let me finish, you'll find out if he has power or not. And right then and there, Satan got a hold of me. He got a hold of me and I got mad. 
I get mad at my wife because all I wanted to do was talk about this. I was excited about this, and I wanted to talk about it, but she just, Satan shut me down. She didn't. And I got really mad, and when I get mad, I get, I usually, I, I got mad at her, but within 15, 20 minutes, she came to me and said, I'm sorry, I apologize. And I was still mad. She goes, you know, you're letting Satan get a foothold. And I said, yeah, and I'm letting him have a couple of yards right now. Um, so, because then I get mad at myself. I got mad at myself that I got mad that I let Satan come in and understand that he was ruling my life right then. And as I laid on the couch, I was talking to God and God kind of said, you don't need to understand the power that Satan has. But I let Satan go like he did with Job. I let Satan go and just let him mess up. He didn't have, I, to this day, I, could, I don't know what power Satan had then other than, I don't think he tricked me. I don't know that he, how he deceived me. It happened so fast. It happened so fast, people. But I think that's Satan's power. As soon as we start indulging in something, and, and God is trying to bring you back to his truth. Because the other thing that God told me is, you need to just understand who I am. Understand who I am, Chris, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. You don't need to understand who he is. He is real. He is there. So here I am, trying to understand, talk to you about the lies, the seat. That Satan has, but we also really need to understand the truth. Because the truth will what? Set you free. Deception or truth? What are you listening to? And who is this liar, the father of lies that Jesus was telling us about? We have to indulge a little bit here because we have to understand who our opponent is, right? Who our adversary is. Who is the one that's trying to trip us up? Who is the one that's trying to make my wife and I mad at each other? Lucifer, the first name given to him. He was the star of the morning. In another uh, reading I had, he was light-like. Lucifer means light-like. Satan. I understood that in the Hebrew, it was actually the Satan. So Satan really isn't even a surname. We've given him that, but that's not a surname. The Satan means the accuser. Satan is here to accuse you of everything and anything that he can. That is job. The devil. The devil means slanderer. He wants to mess up your life and mess up your reputation, mess up your name. He wants to slander you. The prince of darkness. This guy only works in the dark. He cannot work in the light. And the opposite is that God can't work in the dark. God only is light and he can only work in the light. The enemy he is called in the Bible a lot of times. The enemy. And he is our enemy, right? He is our enemy against God. In Genesis 131... After the six days, God says, it is good. He declared all his works good. That includes the angelic realm that was up there in the heavens. In the heavenly realm, everything was good. God declared it good, so it must have been good. Amen? 
There were no devils running up there. There were no demons up there. There was no evil in the angelic realm. There was nothing wrong up to this point. Until the third chapter, when Satan deceived himself into thinking, I want more. According to the Bible, this is who Satan was, who Lucifer was. He was a high-ranking angel. He had exquisite beauty and great wisdom. He had a position of great power and influence. He was called a guardian cherub, a top dog, if you will. He was one of five in that position. This guy had it all. But he decided, because angels have a free will, he decided that he wanted more. He wanted more power, more beauty, more wisdom, more influence. He wanted more. He wanted more. So he deceived himself into thinking, I could get more. And he took a third of the angels with him and decided to be evil. He decided to be evil against his creator, God, that created him. How many times do we do that to our God, to our living God? Not that we're evil, evil, but how many times do we sin against God? We want to know, Chris Ray wants to know more about something I probably shouldn't know about. In Ezekiel 28, it says this, Ezekiel 28, 12 to 19. Son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You are the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You are in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorns you, ruby, topaz, emerald, chrysolite, onyx, and jasper. Sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the, way, the, from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have des- desecrated your sanctuaries. So I made a fire come out from you, and it consumed you. And I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. All the nations who knew you are appalled at you. You've come to a horrible end, and it will be no more. Wow. Something happened up in the heavenly realm. But our King of kings and Lord of lords, God, threw the evil one out. Threw him that he will be no more. Deception happened. Deception happened with 
Lucifer. And he is known as a great deceiver. And I think that is when it started, that he is a great deceiver, that he deceived even himself, that he could be more than what he was. That he could have the power, the beauty, the wisdom, influence that God has. To this day, Revelations twelve nineteen says this, that he de- deceives the whole world through his lies. He deceives the whole world from his beginning to the end. He isn't stopping. He is not stopping the lies and deception to fool you into thinking that you're not a child of God or that you shouldn't be a child of God if you are not right now. Is Satan lying to you today? Is he deceiving you in your life today? Is there something going on in your life that is not the truth? A quick thought, and I I think I've heard this before, I did not remember until I was doing the study, is our angels, you know, we believe that anybody can be saved, right? Right? We believe that no matter who you are, where you came from, what kind of life you lived, what kind of sin you did in the past, that if you admit that you're a sinner, commit yourself to Christ, believe what he did on the cross, by going to the cross, pay the, uh, pay the price for your sins, <clears throat> Excuse me, that you will be saved. Amen? You can be saved, anybody can be saved, right? But I thought... Can angels, can change his mind? Can Lucifer change his mind? Can Satan change his mind? <clears throat> Hebrews 2, <clears throat> excuse me. Has anyone ever thought of that? Am I, am I the only crazy one? <clears throat> you know, in our life, I think we think, could Hitler have been saved? Could Dahmer have been saved? Could all these... Horrible, horrible, horrible people been saved. And if we answer that question as humans, they could have been saved. We don't know. We don't know that they were. If you read some of the books, they probably say no. Some people uh, have said yes to a couple of them, but can Lucifer be saved? Can he turn his life around? Hebrews 2.14 says this, Since the children have flesh and blood, He too, Jesus, shared in the humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fiery death. He's going to save those who've been enslaved, right? For surely it is not angels that he helps, but the descendants of Abraham. Satan can't be saved. He is doomed forever and ever and ever to the lake of fire. Cannot be saved. One of Satan's main objectives or deception is to make us believe that he is not real. That evil is not real. That there's not evil in the world. And I know you guys sit here, you guys, you know, there's Christians. I'm preaching to you guys, you see the evil. But there's a lot of people out there that are being deceived and lied to that there is not evil in the world. That it's just just what it is. This is just life and this is our world right now. But if he can trick somebody into thinking there's no evil and that Satan, I'm not real. 
then it's possible for all those people to think, well, there's no evil, there's probably no God, there's no goodness, there's no love in the world. So one of his biggest deceptions is to fool people into thinking he isn't real. And I remember early on in my, my uh, baby Christian walk, that's one of the things I did think of. Because I thought that we were all born good and wonderful. I thought we, were all, we didn't have a deceitful heart, as the Bible tells us we do. I didn't think that. So if the Satan can fool people into thinking that there's no evil, then there's no need for a God. One of his biggest deceptions. Satan is very crafty and clever, turning his deception or lies into what can seem like the truth. You guys experience that in your life, right? He's turned the truth into lies and making us think that. He has to do this in such a way to conceal the real purpose that he has. And that real purpose is what? To steer us from God. His job is to steer us as far away from God his love, his mercy, his salvation and forgiveness. That is his one main job also is to steer us from believing that there is a God. And he will do everything in his powers to do that. And he would do everything, as I shared with you, everything in his powers to keep us down to preaching the gospel. To preaching the good news. To sharing the good news. It's not what he is about. It's not what he wants. He can deceive us into believing that we are self-sufficient, self-important, and self-sustaining. That it's all about us. And if you look at the world right now, you really see that, right? It is a me, 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 me too attitude out there. He is very comfortable with the world thinking that way. He loves to deceive us that it's all about us. And I can say for myself that... I don't know that Satan was deceiving me, but I didn't have a dad growing up. So anything I did or accomplished was all about me. I did it. And I didn't go around boasting, boasting about it. But I know inside, it built a lot of pride issues that I have. I have a lot of pride issues because I thought I was all that in a cup of tea. Because anything I did or accomplished, went to school, played sports, whatever it was, it was all me. I didn't realize that it was a God-given talent that he gave me. That he gave me the ability to work with my hands. He gave me the ability to think and think outside the box to problem solve. I have those abilities, but I thought it was mine. I thought somehow I read a book and I knew how to do those kind of things. But what God sees is deception in us. He sees. God sees. That's a wonderful thing I think about God. That he sees how you're being deceived. And he's trying to turn it around. He's trying to turn that deception around. And the question is, again, are you being deceived? God doesn't want you to be deceived. He wants you to know the truth. He disguises evil for good. Boy, do we see that? You know, I look back at 100 years and I think, were they thinking the same thing? Because evil right now is pretty evil. I can't imagine it's going to get worse. I know it's going to get worse. I know that. I read the book. (laughs) I read the book and it tells me it gets worse. But he disguises evil for good. And there's a lot of the world out there thinking there's nothing wrong with what's going on. There's nothing wrong with killing babies. There's nothing wrong with being homosexual and the movement that that's going on out there. 
the political scene right now is just, it's scary, isn't it? It is really scary out there. He makes alcohol and drugs look fun. He makes immorality look pleasurable. What a big, big deception that is. And I just know that as a man has been through it. Such a deception. He makes popularity enticing for us. You see all the movie stars, the sports stars. You think they, have, they live just such a wonderful life. But without God, not such a wonderful life. He makes wealth and status seem very important to us. He wants you to achieve maybe more than, than what he wants you to have. And so you go after the almighty dollar, the almighty house, the almighty car. That if someone saw me driving this or if they saw me wearing this kind of clothes, they would think that, wow, I really must have made it. Deception, deception, deception. It's happening in our lives every day. Are you aware of what is going on? You know that you have an opponent, you have a, a, an enemy, and he's trying to steal that joy. If you're being deceived, I, I said this to my wife years ago when I was researching a little bit of trying to understand God's or Satan's power. I, I come to the conclusion that his power, biggest power, is that he can deceive us. And his deception is so good that he looks like light sometimes, right? That he can act as light. So I said this to my wife one day. I said, if you're being deceived, how do you know you're being deceived if you're being deceived? And she said, duh. I went, I don't know. If I'm being deceived, I don't know I'm being deceived because I'm being deceived. But how do we know? We should be knowing the truth, right? Living in the lies of the evil one is not a good place. I've been there. Years and years ago, I was there. And I'm sure some of you have been there, whether it's a little bit or a lot of bit. Not a good place to be, is it? It's not a good place to be in the dark. Luke 8, 17 says this, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Nothing is going to be hidden forever. The darkness that you have, the darkness that, that you are in, sooner or later, the light will be shown. Sooner or later. It could be today, tomorrow, it could be maybe towards the end of your life. You got to make a decision. Do you want light or darkness? Paul warns us in 2 Corinthians 11 that Satan himself acts as a light. That he is so good at lying and deceiving that he acts as God, word, or God. John 8, 12 tells us this. Jesus says to the people that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of the world. Are you following Jesus right now? Do you have the light in the world inside of you? Remember my last, one of my, my last message on glory was, the light has been put in us. The light should be shown to everybody else. We should not be putting that uh, a covering over that light. I think when that happens, usually, maybe not usually, I can't say that, that happens sometimes when we do that, we're in a dark place. And we don't like the light to shine because we're doing something we probably shouldn't be doing. We're in a place that we shouldn't be at. 
Because Satan has lied and deceived us into thinking it's okay to go down this road. It's okay to do this, Chris. It's okay to lie here and do this. Satan. I wrote, I wrote this down when I wrote this verse. I wrote, Satan, what a counterfeit. And the first thing that popped up, first thing, I'm, and, and first thing that popped up was Terry Priestap. I, I quote him a lot. I must have paid attention to Terry. I, I'm so thankful for Terry, really. But the first thing I thought of, I don't know, I don't remember how long ago it was, eight, 12, 10, 12 years ago, he had a sermon on this very thing, and he brought up the counterfeit. And I remembered, I remembered what he talked about the counterfeit. Satan is a counterfeit. He's not the real thing. He's a lie. He's not the truth. Terry said, and I don't remember it was from the Treasury or the uh, Federal Reserve, when they teach people to find a counterfeit, they don't teach them the lie, the counterfeit. They teach them the truth. They teach them the real $100 bill. They know exactly the size. They know what it looks like, the color scheme, all the lines in it. That's what they teach them. They teach them the truth. Then when you know the truth, you will know the counterfeit. Great message by Terry that I remember. I remember so well. So that's our job. Our job is to find the truth. Chris Ray, don't go look for who Satan is and the power that he has because it doesn't matter. It matters none what power Satan has. It matters the truth and the power that God has. Amen? He is a counterfeit. But we are to know the truth. I have a story on how Satan acted as a light, and I'm <laughs> I get emotional because I'm I've been down some dark roads. But one of the things that I fear most when I come up here is that I pervert this this word here, and that I make it something that it's not. And um, Chris and I were watching a movie a couple of weeks ago called Come Sunday. Has anyone heard of it? Seen it? It's about a gentleman, his name was Bishop Carlton Pearson. Anyone heard that name? Bishop Carlton was a prodigy of Oral Roberts. He graduated from Oral Roberts University, and he was Oral Roberts' prodigy. He was his protege. He knew that he was going to do good things and big things. Bishop Carlton ended up for years and years had a mega church in Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma City. Maybe it was Tulsa, but anyway, it was a mega church with a diverse ethnicity. He was a black preacher, but there was white and black and Asian in his church. I think it was over 900,000 people in his church. And what they said in the story was that everywhere Bishop Carlton went, he preached the truth that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, that he is true love, that he is true forgiveness, mercy and grace. It's about Jesus. And the only way to get to heaven, the only way to get to the Father was through Jesus. That's what he preached. And he preached it morning, noon, and night. He preached it from the pulpit. He preached it from the coffee shop. He preached it from a plane, from a train, from an automobile. It didn't matter where he was at. He was preaching it. Preaching the truth. And he had it all. Until one day, one day, 
He comes to church and he says, God told him this. This was the verse that God told him. The saying, it's 1 Timothy 4, 9, and 10. 1 Timothy 4, 9, and 10. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God. Amen? Who is the Savior for all people, especially of those who believe. Where Bishop Carlton got tripped up, where God told him, who is the savior of all people. And a, 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 a couple other versions, it said all men. In the study that I, uh, because <clears throat> I went back and studied this, it's amazing how God brings things together. I was talking to Patty, how music comes together and people come together and verses come together, situations come together. God just has things coming together all the time. And I was talking to God for weeks and weeks about Satan and the power and his truth. This is a movie that comes up, and it's about this. Bishop Carlton said that God told him that all men are saved. When Jesus died on the cross, all men are saved. End of story. You are saved. No matter who you are, you're saved. You're saved. He is to this day preaching in California universal reconciliation, which means that all men are just saved. Now, when I did a little bit of study on on, on 1 Timothy, God was talking about all people, all men, Jews and Gentiles alike now are all gathered together. Everybody can be saved. The word after that, it says, especially if you believe or if and when you believe, you have to believe. You just don't. it's, It's my belief, right, that you have to believe in Jesus Christ and who he was. The son of man, son of God, died on the cross for your sins. That's how you get to heaven. You don't automatically get there. But, and this was, I'm going to say, the late 90s into the early 2000s when this happened. Oral Roberts came to him, had a meeting and said, you have to retract this. This is not what we believe. This is not the truth. And he stood his ground and said, I I can't do that. God told me this. The uh, organization of, of bishops that he belonged to sat him down and said, you must retract this. This is not the truth. This is a lie. This is Satan deceiving you, acting as a light. Nope, I believe. It scares me that I think a man of God of 10, 12 years, and he is just a man. Understand, he is just a man. But this is a man who was on fire for God that could be deceived. And I would think that maybe that's why he was being deceived. There was other things in the movies that I picked up that wasn't quite right with him. But he was out preaching the truth. And if this guy could be deceived... And again, I'm not putting any high ranking on this gentleman. But if anybody can be deceived, you and I can be deceived. Are you being deceived today? Are you being lied to? He acts as a light. Unfortunately, he acts as Anything he wants, to whomever he wants, however he wants, to trick you, to deceive you. 
this is an interesting note. You know, Mark, I just, I appreciated your sermons for the last four weeks so much, but I appreciated how you brought in some, some different things on, on, on whales. And I remember one, how big they are and, and, and so on. So one of the things as I was uh, uh, going through counterfeits and I was just looking up counterfeits, this and that and everything, a um, little bit of knowledge here is that from the 18th century to now, according to Wikipedia, there's been 47 people, men and women, 47 people, men and women, that have been deceived in thinking they are Christ and Jesus. Now, I think that's a lot, but if you add up all the people, maybe from the 18th century to now, that's a really small percentage, but really, and this is probably just the most popular people, the ones who got some sort of notoriety. This isn't counting probably the hundreds maybe that, that are out there still claiming that. 47 people claiming to be Christ. Hmm. What is a lie? It's an untrue statement that is used with the intent of deceiving someone. What is a lie? It's an untrue statement with the intent to deceive someone. Deception. What is deception? Deception is an act or statement which misleads, hides the truth, or promotes a belief concept or idea that is not true. Deception is an act or statement which misleads, hides, hides the truth or promotes belief, concept or idea that is not true. I have a little story about myself, how in fun, take this really in fun as a story that I tell you. Uh, with my granddaughter, I was uh, <clears throat> I was called to go down to the Erie Street Market. Anyone been to the Erie Street Market? Nobody's been to the Erie Street Market. Raise your hands. It's okay. It's on a. Has anyone had the pretzel croissants? Oh my goodness, pretzel croissants! It, it, they're to die for and they're addicting. So if you don't want to get addicted to bread, don't buy them. Anyway, I was called down there by my daughter because my wife had ordered a bag of those. So I went down there. I'm going to back up a little bit. At my house, because it was fall time, I wanted to put flowers out there. I wanted to put mums out there because they're colorful. But my wife doesn't like mums. I don't know if she doesn't like the color, the foliage. I I don't know. I like mums because they're colorful. So she said, I don't really want them, but I take care of the front yard, so I... I was going to get some, so I'm debating. Anyway, I'm down at the Erie Street Market getting this bag of croissants that I'm supposed to be getting, but I noticed that this gentleman, this gardener, farmer, had a big pot, and he put three of them together, and he grew them together, and they were nice and colorful, three different colors, nice big mound, and he had two of them, and I thought, that's what I'm getting. I'm going to get those and take them home, because I like color in my front yard, and um, so on my way home, I called my granddaughter and said, hey, Lil. You want to go golfing? It's a beautiful sunny afternoon, um, 70 degrees. Yeah, Grandpa, I'd love to go golfing, all right? So I go by, pick up my granddaughter, Lily. She gets in the car. In the front seat is the bag of croissants. She picks them up. goes, oh, that's nice. What's in the back seat? Grandpa, I said, I don't know what you're talking about. What? What? The flowers in the back seat? What are those? Oh, yeah, yeah. those are mums. You know, I, I want to put them in the front yard. Oh, can you do me a favor, Lil? Can you, when we go home, could you tell grandma that you bought them and that you wanted to put them in our front yard? 
it was all in fun. I wasn't really trying to lie, but, but listen to the story. Okay, listen to the story. Don't think that bad of me yet. You've all done it before. You've all lied to your kids, all right? Grandkids. Maybe not your grandkids, but... So, Lily, do you think you could tell her that you bought him a... Grandpa, you want to lie to your wife? That's what she said. You want to lie to your wife? Well, I I, I don't really want to lie to her. I I just maybe want to trick her. You want to trick your wife? Now, she's going along because she knows who Grandpa is. And she's going along with me. And um, she says, all right. We'll do it, but after we trick her, can I tell her the truth that you bought him and that you want him in there? Yeah, we could do that. So it, it ended okay. But after that, I said, you know, Lily, a lie is a lie is a lie, right? Yeah, yeah, it is, Grandpa. A lie is a lie is a lie. And I said, this is a great story. If you've never done it with your kids, which I didn't do this with my kids, but I did it with Lily. And again, this is how God works. He just puts these opportunities out there. I didn't mean to do this because of what, what I was going through, but it just happened. And I remembered the story as I'm putting it together. And I said, Lily, what, what if Grandma or Grandpa was being, or were they in danger or was going to get hurt? Would you lie to protect them so they wouldn't get hurt. Yes. You would? You'd really lie? She goes, yeah. I said, but didn't we just say a lie is a lie is a lie? She goes, but Grandpa, isn't it okay because I'm helping you or Grandma? I'm protecting you guys. And I said, I don't know, Lil. Moral dilemma. What is it? So uh, just a, a, a quick funny story about lying and deceiving. And again, it was all in fun, okay? But I would encourage you to have that conversation with a kid, what, you know, what is a lie? What is deception? So they understand what it is. The devil's lies are God's truth. Which are you believing today? You know, I asked that question and I bet, I don't want to put a percentage. There are people in here that said, oh, I believe the truth. I'm not going to believe any lies. And maybe there's one or two people in here that are saying, how did he know? How did he know that I was believing a lie and I'm in a lie right now or I'm in deception right now? I didn't know. God knew. I knew nothing. But I know all human beings for the most part. I know who we are. What about this lie? I'm not worthy or I'm not important. God wouldn't love me. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not important enough for God. There's a lie. Psalm 139, 13 to 14 tells us the truth. For you've been formed by, I'm sorry, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. If you have, if you have been there, if you're there, if you know someone in your life, you really have to explain this verse to them that, that they are a work of God. That's the truth. And you are important and worthy because of that. You were made, again, going back to my last sermon, you were made for his glory. You are definitely worth it. You are definitely important. Now, you may not feel like it, but you are. The truth is that you are, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that God loves you. How about this lie, that I am dirty and there's too much mess in my past, that God could never see past that or forgive me of what's going on and all the awful things that I did. I just, you know, Satan would keep, Satan keeps a lot of people down with that one for sure, that your past is so wicked 
that is so wicked that you, you can't go to the throne. You cannot get on your knees. Don't do it because he's not going to accept you. First John 1 John 1.9 says the truth. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you are living in the lie that, that, that you have a messy past and that your sin is so bad, it's not true. God will forgive you. God wants to forgive you. And you become righteous because he is righteous. On your own, you are not righteous. You are unrighteous. But because of what he did at the cross, that's the truth. That we are all special. And Romans 8, 1 says that therefore there is no more condemnation in you either. Once you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is no more condemnation in you. You are free. You are free. You are a child of God. And there is no more condemnation. You know, I've got way too many problems. The anxieties that I have of my life, of my family, of my work, of this world. There's just no way God can overcome it. My mind is gone. He doesn't have time for me right now because of my mind is here, there, and everywhere, and all the problems that I have going on in my life. There's just no way Satan will beat you down there, won't he? He will let you live in those anxieties and those problems. Satan will forever. The truth is in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, come to me all who labor and are heavily laden and I will give you rest. That's the truth. You tried to find rest in all kinds of things. I can name a hundred different things that you've tried to find rest in that you've tried to find an out because of your problems, because of your anxieties, because of whatever. But the truth is rest in Jesus. In his arms, that's where you find true rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There was a time in my life, and it wasn't... Anything really that I did is just a business transaction. I remember being so low and just feeling just lost and that, that I don't know how I'm going to pick myself up out of here. And God immediately came to my rescue and lifted me up. I just remember that so vividly that, that I was allowed to rest just real quick. This happened. Um, so it happened twice in my life in business. The first time, um, I had to walk away from a business and, and I did it. And God told me that I had to go back to certain people and I had to ask for forgiveness for them. And I did that. And I was on a mountain high with God and I was just like, hallelujah, praise God. In fact, I had a friend call me that day when all that happened. He said, Hey, Chris, how are you doing? He was a believer. And I said that I'm doing wonderful right now. Five days passed, and I realized I didn't have a job, and I didn't have money coming in. And I went, Lord, uh, what, what, what's going on here? That day, somebody called me. I had a job. Back to where I was working before I left to go out on my own, but it was a job. He rescued me. He allowed me to rest in him for a time being of doing what he asked me to do, and then he provided. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light, the Lord says. Wow. It's so much easier just to give everything over to him. 
all of my problems. You know, our, our problem is that we give them. We go to the feet of Jesus. We kneel down and we spew out all of our problems, anxieties, everything. And then what happens? As we're leaving, we decide to take a couple more. Oh, I, well, you know, Lord, I might need this one here. Or this is too busy for you. This is too tough. This is too little or mundane for you. We take things back. That's our problem as humans. We put them there, but we take them back. The idea is we're supposed to leave them there and walk away. Let God have them. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Yeah, but, but you don't understand the sin that I've been in. You know, all the temptation that goes on in my life, you, you don't understand because of my upbringing and, and the temptation that's coming after me and every day and this besetting sin that just comes at me weekly or daily or, or hourly. You don't understand that. And, and, and I got to live with this the rest of my life. And that maybe I can overcome it. The lie Satan wants you to believe that you can't overcome that besetting sin. Do you guys know when I say that, the besetting sin, I don't. Um, it's, it, it's something that you trip over daily or weekly. Because Satan, speaking of counterfeits, we are to go out and find the truth, right? We are to find what is real. Satan doesn't go out and find out what's real. But you know what Satan does? He does study you. Satan knows who you are as an individual. He knows what you like and dislike. So there is something in your life, no matter how it got there, there is something in your life that you trip over a lot. Whether it's anger, whether it's stealing, whether it's temptation of all sorts. It's sitting there and Satan knows what it is. Satan knows you. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, everybody knows it, right? I, I'm not saying that what was in Paul's side when, when Paul said, Lord, please take this thorn from my side. We don't know what it is, but it had to be something that daily affected his life that he couldn't uh, see God all the time, commune with God, pray. Something was there that was stopping him from being with God, for having that relationship. But what did God say to him? Everybody? My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient all the time. My grace is sufficient for you. And it goes with everything. Lord, all the anxieties, the problems I have, my grace is sufficient. Bring them to me. Lord, but the temptation, you don't understand that the temptation I have, that, you know, I, I work in a, a, an office full of girls and you know, my grace is sufficient, but you don't understand I work with the most horrible people in the world. I work in a worldly office or work with worldly people. My grace is sufficient. Give it to me. Give me your job. Give me your people. Give me your life. I can handle it. That's the truth. I love this one. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. I love that part that's not com- that's, that is common to man. You know, we've been doing this for two th- over 2,000 years. We've been humans for, I'm going to say, over 2,000 years. We've been stumbling over the same things. God understands completely that what you're going through is not new. Now, Satan twists that into thinking, oh, you're the only person with this problem. You know that? 
You're the only one. Maybe there's one or two, but you're the only one. So we get this little pride thing going on that, oh, woe is me. He can't fix me. I love this because this has been going on. And you have to understand as a, as a human being, you are not special in this way. That sin is sin is sin. And it's been here for 2,000 years. And it's not going away until the good Lord comes back. It's common. What you go through. And, and I really like this because I meet with men on Saturdays. Every Saturday for years now. In the years past I met with young men from this church. Every Wednesday I would have meetings with them. And right now I'm trying to start up another one with Kevin Tucker and Mike Metzger. That we meet with guys in our golf league. Because if I can meet with golf. I can go out on Wednesdays and meet with the guys golfing. Then I, we, we decided that we should be able to meet with them. Why? Because those men are going through the same thing in one way or the other as I did, as Kevin did, or Mike did. And that we can share the truth. That God's grace is sufficient. To finish that verse, to to my yoke, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly. Oh, I'm sorry, that's the wrong one, right? No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Wow, does Satan take that one? Satan takes that, uh, that truth, doesn't he, and turns it and twists it. Oh, look, you got way more than you can handle. God was wrong. You can't handle this anymore. False. The truth is you will not be tempted beyond your ability. And with that temptation, we also provide a way to escape that you may endure it. I believe that that's what Paul was saying. You know, I got this side, uh, this thorn in my side. God says grace is sufficient. I can endure it through God's grace and his mercy and his love for me. Don't believe that lie. So because Satan is a liar and he tries to deceive us, we must always be prepared. We must always be prepared We must know who the truth is. We must know that God is truth. What he speaks is truth. Ephesians 6. I have time. Um, Ephesians 6 says this, put on the full armor of God so that you could take a stand against his schemes. We have the, the helmet, we have the, the belt and the, the shield and, and the shoes. And we have all these things and we have the sword, the word of God that we are supposed to put on every single day that we can fight the schemes of the evil one. That's how we fight it. That's how we know that he's lying, that we are in communion with God and that we put on the full armor that we could be protected. First Peter 5 tells us this, to be sober-minded, to be watchful, for the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Is he seeking you today? Has he already sought you out and you are being devoured? We got to be sober minded. Watchful for what is going on. As I said before, Satan knows your life. He knows your walk. He knows your habits. He knows how you think. James 4 says this, submit yourselves to God. You guys know the rest, right? Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. 
Amen? Resist the devil and he will flee. Well, Chris, that isn't so easy. Temptation comes at you all the time. The world is coming at you all the time. You get it on the television. You get it on the billboards. You get it in the news. You get it everywhere. It's coming at you. It's coming. Commit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. This was just popped in my head. Um, I think it was the first day, dear. Maybe you can help me. The first day... I was supposed to do December 6th, and Scotty calls me up and said, Hey, uh, Dick can't do it. The 6th, can you do it the 29th? Well, in my head, he didn't say December or November, the 29th, so I thought it was December 29th because, you know, uh, that's just who I am. And uh, anyway, so there was a little misunderstanding there, but it's all good. God is good and God is faithful and here I am today. But that first day, I'm sitting there reading and I'm studying and I feel calm. I really do. I feel calm. But all of a sudden, I started getting a pain right across here. And I thought, anxiety? Heart attack? My sister is here. Hello, Pam. A new born-again Christian. Say, hi, Pam. Welcome to, welcome to the church and, and God's family. I started getting this pain. And for 10, 15 minutes, I sat in my chair calling out the name of God. God, this is not from you. I don't know what this is. I was not feeling Anxious, I really wasn't, but must have been inside I was really feeling anxious because I only got a week to do this. Wow. And as Dick and people, when you get up here and study, you need more than a week. Um, but I was already studying this, but there, I was calling out the name of God. This is not from you, Satan. This is not from you, or this is not from you, God. It's got to be from Satan, and the anxiety is building up here. And I prayed and prayed and prayed. And then I walked into the living room where my wife was, and I had this look on my face like this. She goes, what's wrong? And I said, well, I really don't know what's going on, but I laid on the floor, and I just breathed. She actually gave me a, a, a pill, and within minutes it was gone. So, But... I called out right away. I'm going to resist the evil one, the lies, and, and this thing that he was building up inside of me. No. And, and the thing is, I kept praying, and I kept reading and studying. Oh, it'd get there. I, keep, I pray against it. I keep reading. I kept going because I knew that I had to do this, that I was not going to give the devil his due. I was not going to let him just totally. And I actually prayed that this is not a heart attack because if it was a heart attack, I probably wouldn't be here today. So hallelujah and amen, right? Submit yourselves to God. Satan wants to convince us that there is no hope. And that's one of his biggest things too. He has a bunch of big things, right? I'm sorry. But it is a big thing for him to take our hope away. To steal our peace, our joy, and our love that God has given to us. But there is hope. There is hope. His son was given to us and he died on the cross. For whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's what we have hope in. We have hope that when he ascended into heaven, he said earlier that I go there to make a place for you. And if it wasn't so, that I wouldn't say it. That in my other sermon of glory, that we get to, we get to be glory, give glory to God, and then we get to go to glory. That is my hope that I have a place in heaven. I have hope. He can't steal that from me. I have hope in heaven. Do you have that hope today? Do you have faith that Jesus, God and Jesus is who they say they are? 
And I've heard mainly Scotty say this a lot of times. If Jesus isn't who he said he was, he's the biggest liar there ever was. He has to be bigger than Satan as a lie. But it's not a lie. It's the truth. For 2,000 years, over 2,000, they've been trying to dispute it. It's, it hasn't changed. Yeah, it's changed in different sects and religions. Someone's tried to take other things. But it's not changed. God is true. God is true, true, true. Right here. It is truth. So let's believe the truth today and live in victory. Let's live in truth. Live in victory that God will give you rest, that he will forgive you of your sins, and that you will have a place in heaven. So, as I said before, it it really is amazing. If you've ever given a sermon, if you've ever really prepared how God brings things together, he brings people together, he brings stories together and situations, and he brings songs. Music and songs are just wonderful to me. And as a young man, I didn't like music at all. I played sports. I didn't know what music was, to tell you the truth. But now I just absolutely love music, um, and it just stirs my heart a lot of times. And so there's a song that I'd like to play right now. Um, I asked Patty if we could actually sing it, but it was too soon, and it might be a little hard for us to do it. But if you'd be patient and listen to this song, um, I'd appreciate it. Um, And then Patty and the group are going to come up here and sing one more song, and I'll come up and pray.